0: All righty, let's, uh, let's get it happening. And this next hour will inform you and educate you everything you need to know about workplace rights, employment laws as they affect you inside your workplace, uh, probably if you're an employee, but also if you're an employer, you listen up and learn something every week as uh, as well. John Scholes here and joining me uh From Firu to Mark and LLP this morning would be Chris Justice. Oh, yeah, he's our lawyer, and he's going to answer all of your questions. we got a couple topics to take care of over the course of the hour, but I did mention a couple things we want to get through. The first, uh, if we have enough time to get through both, that is five fast facts about temporary layoffs, and we'll move into the guide to handling workplace burnout and stress. Good topics. That's all ahead and your phone calls, emails, you can send those along. That is uh, help at employmentlawyer.ca. And I'll remind you that you can reach Chris and his team anytime outside the hour of the show at one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. you want to have a chat on your own time with Chris or a member of his team. That's the way to do that. But the phone calls, bring them on. we got open lines. we got lots of time. So let's, uh, let's get rolling, brother. What do you got for us for the case of the day or the week that was, Chrissy?
1: Yeah, so uh, today I wanted to talk about uh, someone who came to me recently with respect to having been let go during what they thought was a probationary period. You know, they uh, they joined a company and they were let go within a couple months of joining that company. And this person came to me and just simply asked whether they had any rights to severance. And I think the first thing to understand uh, for most people out there is that probationary periods in employment are not simply automatic. They don't exist uh, just because you start a job. You may think that, you know inherently, anytime you start a job, there might be a one or two or three month period where your employer can assess you know how good of an employee you are and, and potentially let you go. Uh, without any notice or payment whatsoever, as long as it's within this you know, so-called probationary period. Right. But the answer to that, in short, is no. You know, as I say, it's not automatic. Uh, probationary period has to typically be created in an employment agreement itself. So, if you have a contract and it specifically sets out, uh, you know, for the first period of time you're in a probationary period, if we let you go, we may do so without notice or pay. Then that's one thing. But if there's no contract you've signed or if there is a contract but it just simply doesn't have a probationary period in it and you're let go within maybe the first one, two or three months, um, there's a lot of situations where people even in those uh, cases are owed several months of severance, even only being there for several months itself. Um, uh, And so again, to allow the company the ability to let you go during that period of time, that short period of time without any compensation or notice, there's got to be the contract that specifically speaks to that, um, saying that they can let you go, as I mentioned. Um, and if, again, if, that, if that's the case, then an employee may not have a lot of recourse or a lot of options. Um, but there does have to be something like that there. So um, otherwise, as I say, you're owed potentially a significant amount of severance. You know, a lot of people think that if they're only there for a few months, it's, it's very little, if, if nothing or if anything. Um, but actually, as I say, you can get three, four, five, six months, even though you're only at a company for a month.
0: Does it matter, Chris, if the employer says, "You know what? I'm going to make this a six month, you know, uh, probation period, just because I want to make sure for sure that you're uh, you're the right person for the job." And if 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 it gets into month five and they let you go, do the same rules still apply, or it's it, it's 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 a moot point beyond three months?
1: Uh, yeah. So actually, you'll see that fair bit uh, probationary periods typically will will be for about three months, which is sort of in line with the legislation in Ontario, anyways. But you will sometimes see clauses or contracts where they say, actually, you're going to be on a probationary period for four or five, six months, maybe a year. And during this period of time, we can assess how good of a fit you are. And, you know, it's usually the same sort of language. Mm-hmm. But as you say, it's it's not just three months, it's it's six, it's 12. And if that's the case, then I mean, you can have something like that in a contract. But once you pass that 90 day, that three month mark, Um, the legislation in Ontario, again, is going to say you're owed severance at that point, no matter what. And so if you've got a contract, for example, that says within the first six months, we can let you go without any notice or pay, as I say, once you pass that three-month threshold, the severance will automatically kick in. So a clause like that would actually be illegal. Um, You know, As I say, there can be clauses that have longer durations, but that's not going to allow the company to to get away with paying you some severance after that first three months, no matter what.
0: That's what I figured. Let's get into this, pal. Five fast facts about temporary layoffs. I love these. Number one, as we get into this, temporary layoffs are not allowed for any length of time unless the employee consents to that. Break that down for me
1: yeah so with the pandemic we saw a lot of people getting laid off now that the pandemic has somewhat subsided and we're into 2023 going into 2024 though we're also still seeing a lot of people being laid off um you know and people uh, simply just have this misconception that uh in, that layoffs are inherently okay that they can be given for for a number of, of months or maybe even longer and i just get this question all the time from people asking like, hey, Chris, uh, how long can my temporary layoff last? And, you know, maybe they've been off for, you know, three, four, five months at that point and Or maybe it's been extended and they've come to me and they're just wondering, you know, can they do that? How long can it last? Well, um, as I say, actually, in most cases, employers can't lay you off whatsoever. So, so forget, you know, being laid off for a few months. Uh, they don't even have that inherent right generally. Um, the employee is actually the one who can typically decide if they want to refuse or reject uh, a temporary layoff. Um, so if someone comes to you and says, hey, we're laying you off, there's a slowdown in our business, maybe it's not even you being targeted, it could be entirely in good faith, but we're laying you off, there's a slowdown in your business, we don't know at this moment when we're going to call you back, but we'll try to do you so ASAP. The employee can sort of say, well, yes, okay, I'll accept it, or actually take the uh, make the decision to say, no, I refuse that, and that's going to then likely be viewed in the eyes of the law as a termination for which um, that person may be owed some
0: severance. Again, we're talking about uh, temporary layoffs here, and everything that uh, that goes along with you may be fairly familiar with this topic. Now we've uh, we've really been uh, drilling down on it over the last couple of years with COVID. Mm-hmm. But uh, number two, uh, fast yeah. fact about that is an employment contract may contain language addressing a temporary layoff. Again, have your uh, have your eyes open for that one, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, and definitely get some legal advice if you see something like that in a contract because there are, as I say, some situations where employers can lay you off, um, but it has to typically be with your consent. Now, that can be something that you verbally consent to. They can come to you and say replacing a layoff, and you can say, okay, I'm fine with that. Call me back, You know, maybe get my ROE in so I can collect some EI, whatever it is. Um, But there's also the ability, of course, for the contract itself in writing to have that clause And, you know, these contracts can be problematic because, you know, you you sign something, you don't even know necessarily what you're agreeing to. You might be ignorant to what the law says. And there's some section in that contract that says, you know, we, the employer, have the right to place you on a temporary layoff, Um, you know, if there's, say, a a downturn in business or whatever the case may be. And if that's in there and if you've signed a contract like that, then that's going to give the employer a lot more of legs to stand on as far as putting you off uh, work for several months at a time, basically whenever it wants. You know, The, the caveat being, of course, there can't be discrimination or, or that sort of thing. But yeah, just simply having a clause like that in a contract can give your employer the ability to, to sort of continuously do that over and over and over again. And then you come to a lawyer like myself and you try to say, well, look, I, I don't agree to this layoff. You're going to have that that harder time getting around what's in the written contract itself.
0: It's interesting you say get around what's in that contract, but uh, you know, having said mm-hmm. that, if if someone sees that in a contract they have, should they not just send it to you anyway? Because not mm-hmm. always the case. If if this employer has a you know decent or robust HR, or they know what they're doing, but there is a chance if it's a yeah. uh, you know an employer that's not that swift with this stuff, they might have <laughs> downloaded some sort of template off of Google, which means it's uh, well kind of useless, right? Not, yeah, not the best.
1: Yeah, it's it's always <laughs> recommended to review a contract, even if you think you're dead to rights, even if you think there's some uh, clause in the contract that just completely restricts your rights, restricts your entitlements, and you think, oh, what's the point? Um, that that could be a problem, for sure. As I say, these contracts can be problematic, but um, no, you're right. There are a lot of uh, times where you'll you'll have a temporary layoff provision in a contract or maybe a termination clause in a contract, and you look at it, and you read it and you sort of see what it's trying to get at. And again, usually it's trying to say, we're, we're, we're going to limit your rights in some way. But just because it tries to do that or that's the intention doesn't mean it'll actually have a legal effect. There are a lot of times where, as you say, contracts are drafted in a more sloppy manner. Maybe it's just a cut and paste job from Google. Um, or, or maybe it's just a, a lawyer drafted it themselves but forgot to include a couple words here or there. And that can change the whole sort of uh, layout of the contract. You know, mm-hmm. even the, the omission of a comma in a sentence can, can potentially change how a sentence wow. is, is interpreted or viewed. And so these things are very, very important um, because if, if there's a contract and you're looking at it and you're thinking, wait, wait a minute, there's multiple different ways this could be interpreted. That's mm-hmm. probably going to be to the employee's benefit. And that's probably going to give the employee a better way to, you know, as I said before, try to get around that contract and say, you know, look, I know there's a contract, I know this is what it says, but here's why, you know, this falls short of the law in ABC area, and, and again, that's where a lawyer is going to come in, you know, a lawyer who's got a lot of employment law experience to kind of point out those those flaws, those those sort of um, uh, issues with the contract, as I say, to get around it.
0: We are going through the five fast facts about temporary layoffs. Three, two, and one are coming up after a short break. Help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address too. And we'll continue with more of the Employment Law Show with uh, Chris Justice right here. Stand by, coming right back. Chris Justice is your guy. John Scholes always uh, here doing the easy work. Chris, answering your questions, you want to reach out anytime, uh, it is really easy. Help at employmentlawyer.ca or simply employmentlawyer.ca. You'll find some contact information there, more information. And there's pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We talk about that because it covers on the website clearly and plainly. Easy to navigate all the situations and topics we discuss on the show, and you'll have access to that severance calculator as well, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Fast facts about temporary layoffs, number five, or number three, rather we've gone through two, uh, would be employees may reduce their rights if they accept a temporary layoff. We're talking from the outset. What do you think about that, Chris?
1: We were talking about how, of course, if there's a contract and it's got a, a temporary layoff clause in it, that could certainly limit someone's rights. If there is no contract, um, and you're approached by your employer, and you're just simply told that we're going to be laying you off, you know, we'll try to call you back ASAP, and you sort of say okay, and you agree to it at least verbally, um, that that can also be an issue, of course. And if the evidence sort of comes out and it says that you know you agreed to the layoff, your employer saying, oh, we had a meeting and he agreed, and maybe signed some piece of paper, I don't know, which you always want to be a bit careful about doing, of course. Uh, or, or he just said, "Yeah, I'm fine with the layoff. Call me back when you can. Uh, you know, looking forward to getting back to work or whatever." That that can of course be an issue, as I say, um, because if let's say you don't have any problem accepting a first layoff, you, you're put on this layoff and you actually don't mind at all. Well, what that can do though is create a bit of a precedent, because you know, say you're you're laid off for the first time ever for a few months, and you don't think anything of it, and you agree to it, and then you know, two years later you put on another layoff maybe this time for for four five six months and now you're thinking oh, I don't know, but okay, I'll go with it. I mean the more times you say yes to something, the more likely it's going to create even if it's not in writing, it's going to create an implied duty or, or sort of implied right for your employer to place you on a layoff. So just simply accepting one layoff thinking oh, it's probably not going to happen again or whatnot that can make it very difficult for you then later on to reject a second or a third layoff your employer may not have a contract to sort of point to you and say, "Look, you've signed this piece of paper; it says we can do this," but instead they're just going to say, "Well, in 2018 you were laid off for five months, and in 2021 there was another four months. So, what's the big deal about us coming to you in 2024 and saying we need to lay you off for another six months or something?" Yeah. Um, so that that could create an issue too, and that's why you just want to be careful, even if you think you might be. I don't know, taking one for the team or trying to be a team player the first or second time around when it comes to these layoffs, that could come back to to bite you later on.
0: Absolutely. And another one is this: a temporary layoff is a termination. What does that mean? I'll tell you in a minute, but first I want to get to, to Jack, who's been standing by. Hey, Jack, good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm fine, thanks. Good, sir. What's on Hi, your mind? Uh,
2: a yeah, uh, quick question to kind of off topic a little bit. I was put on a performance improvement plan back in uh, July, and it was unattainable. In the time span that they'd asked me to do it in, it was a couple of months. Uh, I'm in sales. They wanted me to get the quarter. There was no way that because the company's business, I was going to get there. I sucked. I went out and seek the lawyer's advice at that time, and he said, this is grounds for <clears throat> constructive dismissal. So we sued the company. And now they're backing away saying, oh, no, your job's here. Everything's fine. Uh, is this a common practice for companies to do that?
1: Uh, Common practice for companies to put somebody on a performance improvement plan, we'll say, without necessarily having the best case for that? Exactly. Yeah, you know what? I I don't know how frequently it happens, but I do come across that a lot in my line of work. Um, Sometimes there are situations where the performance improvement plan is completely fictitious, which is a bit more rare, but obviously a huge concern. And then there's other times where the performance improvement plan... You know there, there's maybe a different interpretation of the person's performance you know maybe the employer is saying you know they're not happy for one reason but the employee is actually saying uh, something opposite or, or sometimes it's just something in between that so it kind of depends on you know how bad faith is this performance improvement plan how much of it is is either just completely made up or completely unattainable because that's one thing you had mentioned is you know, you, you set a target for somebody, which on the face of it may seem like, oh, they're falling below it. But then you realize the target is just nowhere. It's not even realistic to, to begin with. Then, exactly. of course, you're going to feel like you've been set up to fail. And, exactly. and not only that, but just being placed on a performance improvement plan itself can, of course, be a very stressful situation. So if you've got that, plus the fact that there are um, lies contained in the performance improvement plan or just things that are simply not true. Um, yes. That in a lot of cases can give somebody the option to sort of treat that almost like a termination and tell the employer, hey, look, you guys have breached your duty of good faith that you owe to me by, by not you know, making things up, by not um, you know, do, going down this path. And yes. as a result, I just don't think there's any hope or, or, or um, a practicality of me coming back because a lot of times they will try to have you come back to help themselves out strategically.
0: And, yes, and your job is to
1: it, yeah. And and yeah, and your job is to prove that, you know, that there was so much done that was wrong that, that basically no one in their right mind or no reasonable person would come back to a scenario like that. You know, if it's oh, a, I, if it's a good yeah. sorry, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. I mean I am still
2: working there because they've they've just taken they're just trying to make life visible for me. They're trying to sort of set me up yeah. for um, you know, they're looking for failure in any 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 area whatsoever. These were sales right. targets metrics that were set by the company that were unattainable. Yeah. So
1: yeah, I think highlighting these issues is important. So so clarifying in writing that certain metrics are unattainable, clarifying in writing that you take uh you disagree with certain things in the performance improvement plan itself, you know, to say, look, I don't think this is true or that's not right, or here's why you're not being fair here. Being able to respond to these performance improvement plans is very important because if you're silent on it and there's no record or paper trail of it, um, you could be seen as essentially having accepted the the criticism and, and being expected to uh, meet these goals. So that's why objecting and drawing a line in the sand and, and making your voice heard is number one. And, and yeah, like I say, it's just gonna come down to how bad faith motivated this performance improvement plan is and how much it's designed to kick you out of the workplace. Um, but it seems like you've got some good advice and, and that you're going down a good path and hopefully you can get a resolution. But yeah, unfortunately, this thing does come up a lot and all you can really do as an employee is sort of um, respond as best possible because there's nothing that's going to stop the company if they want to do what they want to do, but the more that you can kind of chip away at the reasons that they're trying to build against you, um, the better because you're going to have a better chance of getting full severance. You're going to have a better chance of maybe even getting extra compensation for bad faith. Um, but, uh, been, yeah, 20, 20, plus years. So, wow. Yeah. And then you, you look at the context and you think, well, how long has this person been here? Do they have a disciplinary record before this? Is there some, you know, are there multiple warnings on file when it comes to performance? Is this sort of no. just something that came out of the blue after two decades, maybe because a new manager came in with different ideas, right? So yeah, that's, these, that's the, more... these things are all definitely included. Yeah. Sorry. All
2: right. Okay, fair enough. I just wanted a little confirmation that it sounds like I'm going in the right direction with this this, this process. Okay, appreciate.
0: Thank, Thank you, Jack. You. Appreciate uh, appreciate the call this morning again. Follow up with us when the uh, the smoke clears and let us know how it all turned out. But uh, n- not an untypical situation with uh, with Jack, right, Chris? We've we've heard that story before mm. when it comes to temporary layoffs or at least, uh, pr- pardon me, performance improvement plans, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes
1: it's in good faith and there's legitimate criticisms and there's a legitimate effort to try to fix those and everyone cooperates and, you know, no one's being set up to fail and it gets, and it gets hashed out and that's great. But yeah, there are also those other times where, um, you know, maybe they want to push you out of the workplace. Maybe a company wants to get rid of you for cause, you know, try to avoid paying you severance. And so a lot of times they attempt to build these performance related cases against people and and that's what i'm saying if you can respond chip away at the criticisms Mm -hmm. by the time they end up deciding what to do with you they may not have any leg to stand on because you've basically addressed all of the critiques and and now there's nothing left for them to latch onto to say look we have cause to terminate your employment um it very very difficult for employers to terminate people with cause for performance issues you've almost got to be just intentionally sabotaging the company for for months uh, but before someone can do something like that versus you know, maybe just someone who's not as competent or able to do a job, it, it, good luck in a company trying to establish just cause. And, and in those cases, they're, they're going to be out severance if they're let go either way.
0: Got uh, Steve writing in here says, guys, I lost my job and I was paid seven months after being there for five years. They only paid my five months of my base salary, however, and nothing further. Is this correct?
1: Yeah. So in this particular case, you know, you've got an employee, five years of service, gets a seven month package. That's actually not bad. That's a pretty good package, especially if you're able to avoid litigation or a lawsuit. Yeah. Um, but I think people, in my experience, also focus on the number of months and they think, well, they're saying they're giving me five, six, seven, eight months, whatever it is. That seems fair. But then you do some digging, you do some investigating. And you find out that, you know, this person has a base salary of $50,000, but that they're also making commissions of a hundred thousand, you know, let's say, uh, it's a, it's a more of a commission oriented job and then they get let go. And then the employer says, we'll give you seven months after five years, but we're only going to give that on your base salary alone. We're not going to factor in your commissions. We're not going to factor in your bonuses. You know, maybe you were a month or two away from getting a significant bonus or commission, that would have been captured in that seven-month period, and your employer is just saying, no. You know, sometimes they don't continue benefits. Sometimes they don't continue pension or RRSP contributions or stock option programs, that sort of thing. So anytime someone's let go, um, yes, you want to make sure that they get the right number of months and that that fits with their years of service and their position and, and all that kind of stuff. But you also want to make sure if we're talking about you know, what does a month actually work out to, what if that employee had been there for another five, six, seven months, what would they have received? Um, you want to make sure that every aspect of someone's compensation is sort of included. And, and that's ultimately the question is, would I have received this this bonus or this commission or these benefits had I continued working for those seven months? Right. A lot of times companies will just let you go and pay you right out of the gates and you're done effective immediately. But you got to think: Had I actually worked out that period of time—three, four, five, six, seven, eight months, whatever it is—what would I have got? And you know, a lot of times you're going to get your base wages, you're going to get your benefits, your pension. You're probably going to get maybe quarterly or monthly commissions in in a lot of situations too. So, what could look good on the face of it—you know, five, six, seven months—here you go. You could still be throwing away tens of thousands of dollars in in other amounts that you're owed that make up your your compensation.
0: Yeah, this seems like a fairly common scenario when it comes to people in the in the sales end of things when it comes to, you know, calculating how much they're actually earning. Yeah. As far as, you know, if they're working whether it's base plus commission or, or even 100% commission, it's even more more important, but do you generally because Tricky. it can fluctuate, it goes up and down, can you generally take what a 3-month or 4-month look back at what they've earned, average that and that what should be their their severance going forward as as part of their compensation?
1: yeah so like you say when when the compensation is so um so variable it changes i guess the question is how how much does it fluctuate um typically courts will look at maybe the last two three years average that out and sort of set that as maybe an average bonus or commission amount Um, but again if the question is what would i have got had i still been there that's that's probably the first thing that you should try answering because sometimes for instance you could have maybe a great year Uh, The year prior to being let go and the following year, it's just not going to be reflective. Maybe uh, there's a pandemic that hit the world and the company's just not doing great. So you can't always say that the past is going to predict the future, but in cases where you don't know what the future is or you don't know if the person had been there for longer, if they would have got something or not, um, that's oftentimes when you're looking at a two or three year average. And there are a lot of situations where employers will factor in commissions and bonuses, but take the completely wrong average. Right. And and oftentimes, of course, it's going to be the lowest average. So so that's also something you need to be aware of. Is sort of how does the company calculate your commissions uh, when it comes to paying out a severance package? You know, what did they go back maybe only three four weeks? Do they go back three four years? Um, are they relying on something in the future that they think? disentitles you, you know, so that's another thing to delve into. And again, make sure that whatever the number of the dollars are, that it's being
0: calculated in the right way. Call in and have your say, have that discussion, ask your questions as we continue with more of the employment law show here on Saturday mornings. Stand by. Okay. Back at an employment law show, John Scholes along with Chris Justice from Sanfiru Tamarkin LLP, reach out to Chris anytime. Great lawyer can always help you. one 855 821 help at employment lawyer. .ca. More of your phone calls coming up here shortly. we got some time. It's help at employmentlawyer.ca. And we'll continue. I think we've got the last two, uh, two of the top five facts about temporary layoffs, Chris. Number two is a temporary layoff is a termination. Most people are going, what? I thought it was just a layoff. No, no. It's a termination. Break that down.
1: Yeah, yeah. Again, this is sort of in the employee's discretion. So uh, going back to what we were saying earlier, if if the employee themselves chooses to consider the layoff a termination, um, they're going to have a much easier argument and battle as far as that's concerned. Um, if they uh, ultimately choose to accept a layoff, then yes, it doesn't have to be a termination, but that's going to generally, like I say, be up to the employee's discretion. And, um, I mean, look, a temporary layoff is basically your employer coming to you and saying, you know, forget the $50,000 you're making a year now. Now you're going to make nothing. You know, you're going from 100% wages to 0% wages. And, and that could be for several months. And, and I mean, with the pandemic, we saw people going without it for, for years. Um, that is typically referred to as a constructive dismissal, which is something that's come up on the show before as well, where your employer makes a substantial change to the terms of your employment and what more substantial than taking away uh, all your money. So, so yeah, like I say, it comes down to the discretion of the employee, but that's why it's very important that the employee make the right decision at that time and not make it and then come to a lawyer maybe six, seven months after the fact uh, and have a little bit more of an uphill battle uh, at that point.
0: Finally, it's this one, uh, Chris, now that people realize that temporary layoffs are a termination, they will get severance for it. those mm-hmm. packages. So severance packages for the temp layoffs can be as much as 24 months pay. It's no different than another severance package, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So again, if your employer doesn't have the right to lay you off, there's no contract, you didn't agree to it, then basically what they're doing is doing something that's in violation of the terms of your agreement. Um, and, and again, which would result in a constructive dismissal, essentially. And the same rules that apply in a regular termination, you know, someone's let go without cause. Here's your severance. Here's what's um, fitting for you. That's basically the same way that a constructive dismissal, as far as a layoff, would be sort of looked at as well. So you could be owed months and months and months of severance, up to, yeah, as much as 24 months pay. Or even in some extraordinary cases um, of recent note, I've seen people being awarded 26, 28 months of pay. Wow. So now there's a question of whether this two year period is even really the, the cap anymore. It seems to be going up a bit. Um, But yeah, just going to show that the potential severance there is is significant, even if it is just a matter of you being laid off uh, without your consent. And uh, I think you mentioned before, but you can use the firm's severance calculator through through our website to kind of figure out just what those severance entitlements are, whether it's a termination or it's a a layoff without your consent.
0: Yeah, as Chris just uh, mentioned, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. Pocketemploymentlawyer.ca is the website we're talking about to use that calculator. It's right there. Easy to navigate. Takes you about 30 seconds. Before we get into the next topic, as I mentioned off the top mm-hmm. of the show, Chris, that is Guide to Handling a Workplace Burnout and Stress. Quick email mm-hmm. from uh, Henry. He says, guys, I've received a few warnings over the last three years with respect to my work performance. How many warnings does my employer have to provide me before they can let me go for cause? What do you think? Yeah. so So I guess
1: it would come down, I think, in general to what the warnings are about. Um, There's no exact science or number where you say, you know, three strikes you're out, for example. Um, But there does have to be proof in general of this disciplinary approach taken by the employer. So a lot of times, you know, you might have a company give you a verbal warning and then maybe that escalates to a written warning. And then maybe that escalates to either another written warning or, or suspension potentially of employment for a period of time. And then maybe you can escalate to a termination. So if, if it's something that is, I'll say, maybe more performance related, you're going to be having to probably hand out more warnings. If, if it's something that isn't performance related, maybe it's just someone not showing up to work on time. Well, there's going to be less leeway given to you there because it's pretty clear as far as generally what time you're supposed to be showing up and your employer shouldn't be giving you Let's say four to six months to improve on your on your tardiness uh, in the same way that they might give you four to six months to improve on your performance. Um, and, and then there's more egregious examples, maybe of where there's dishonesty or theft or or just something more extreme. Uh, and employers will will probably uh, be able to get away with not giving as many warnings in that case. So it is it is sort of contextual; it does depend. But I do still find in general that. Um, Across the board, not enough warnings are given a lot of times. Maybe it's just one warning or two warnings and there's no mention of termination for cause, especially Um, the employee doesn't even know what the consequences for for failing to to sort of correct themselves are necessarily. So even if their performance isn't great or their their um, conduct isn't the best by not telling the employee what the consequences are, the ramifications that, you know, this continues, you will be let go for cause. You will get no severance. Um, stuff like that has to typically be communicated so that someone can fully appreciate the circumstances and, and, you know, that'll ultimately be the benefit of the company if they do that. But yeah, there's no, there's no exact number. But because I find that most of the times it's, there's not enough warnings or there's not enough things to have done prior to the termination. Um, I always sort of, uh, I've got my spidey senses tingling a bit on that. And, and as an employee, you should probably give a lawyer a call just to make sure um, if what's going on is, is fair and reasonable.
0: Let's see if we get this uh, text answered in the next minute or two before we uh, take one more break. Chris Sharon guy says, guys, um, mm-hmm. is it considered a wrongful dismissal if my employer did not provide a valid reason for firing me? I saw my job posted <clears throat> online after I was let go.
1: Yeah, I get this a fair bit, actually, where people come to me and they've been let go. They've been told something, like maybe the company's going through financial difficulties or... Um, you know, they've got to eliminate the person's position. And then a week later, that same posting gets put up on Indeed or online somewhere. And, um, and then they come to me and they say, well, I was told my position was eliminated. Like, what's what's going on here? How can you say that? But then I find that my position is being posted. That's not right. And then they come and they think that as a result of this, um, they're owed significantly more in compensation. And the thing is, is that um, first of all, it's possible you could have your position eliminated and they could repost it maybe with half as much of the salary. Um, and, and that could be some you know, justification there. But even in cases where your employer is dishonest, where the employer may not be telling the full truth, it's not fair, it's not right, but it's not necessarily illegal for an employer to do that. And a lot of people sort of get hung up on um, what should be fair and reasonable and, yeah. and right, and... Um, without realizing that employers can do sort these sorts of things sometimes and, and the law won't consider that to be, you know, a situation where you'd be owed more compensation. You know it's not illegal, it's unfortunate, it's not great. You still are owed severance and you still want to make sure that um, you, know, obviously you get your full severance. But, but aside from that, employers can pretty well let you go for any reason they want, um, even if it's not the best decision or the best reason. Again, so long as it's not, you know, violating any human rights uh, laws or, or anything like that.
0: And we are coming right back with more. So stick around for deployment the Law Show continues. Hang on. You betcha. You, we're back. Chris Justice and mark Tamarkin LLP is uh, taking the reins here this morning. And you can always reach out after the show. one 855 821 5,900 help at employmentlawyer.ca is the email address. And we just mentioned, or we've mentioned a few times that website you can use. It. it was built and constructed just to make you smarter and give you a lot of information uh, when we're not doing this, uh, this radio show. That's ca. access to the severance calculator, right from that website guide to handling workplace burnout and stress. There is a ton of that going on now, Chris, especially post pandemic, um, Employees' performance can be seriously impacted by stress and burnout. It's not just whining and complaining, right?
1: Yeah, no, you're right. It happens a lot. Um, Various forms of stress, various forms of burnout, not necessarily something that was spoken about as as freely and openly um, back then as it is now. Um, But there is always uh, and always has been a big focus on employers making sure that the workplace is healthy, safe, manageable, Um, You know, this is a big issue. This is a big obligation that employers have in this realm. And people should just, you know, not feel ashamed or down if they're they're necessarily dealing with workplace burnout or stress. This is very normal, very natural. And and the law completely understands that. Uh, And there are definitely ways to alleviate the stress if you're in a situation like that and hopefully go back to like a more happy and healthy work environment and so I thought, you know, providing a little bit of a guide and highlighting some of the, the tips and ways to alleviate the stress would be very important in, in a day and age.
0: Well, to your point, I mean, employers, they do have a duty to provide like a health and safety and safe workplace for people too, right? They can't just come to work and just blow it off. Yeah,
1: yeah, no, definitely, like I say, very, very critical obligation that employers have that have always had to, to have this healthy work environment in place to make sure that, you know, their employers are supported. Uh, that the environment's productive. And, you know, there's going to be jobs where the stress is a lot. You know, there's obviously jobs where stress is higher and in Mm -hmm. certain jobs and and lower and other jobs. And that's just going to be, in most cases, a part of the job. Um, So it's not to say you can go into a stressful position and, and just make it stress free. But your employer should also do what it can to minimize the stress. You know i was i was talking to to someone not too long ago uh she was uh she came over uh from from another country actually same Mm -hmm. same company but it's a global company but started working for the canadian operation and realized that the canadian operation was just a mess there was no organization um, the people that had been working there had been working there for years, and they just kind of knew each other. And they, but but the, the documentation, and the management uh, system, and everything internal was was just a complete it's a complete havoc, right. and it was making it very hard for this person to do her job. She was used to organization. She was used to you know certain systems being in place within the other branches of the company, and the company in Canada just simply didn't want to adhere to what she was asking for. They said, you know, this is the way we do things. You know, take it or leave it. And that would be a scenario where the employer didn't do anything to minimize the stress um, or, or maybe actually caused more undue stress. So employers want to be wary of, of you know, not taking steps to minimize the stress, um, obviously not doing things that will cause more stress on the person. Um, of course, things like bullying, harassment and that sort of stuff, just zero tolerance for. But yeah, if there's a way that the company can reduce the stress uh, on an employee or a group of employees – Um, without the company being hurt significantly then the employer has to do that Um, and uh, if they don't do that as things kind of build up the stress piles on maybe it then goes beyond the normal stressors in the workplace and that's where you get into the scenario where you know someone could be saying that they've been constructively dismissed Um, and that you know you might end up pushing them out and then they may be going after the company at that point for their full severance and maybe even for a breach of the employer's duty uh, under yep. occupational health and safety standards or just it, the duty to keep the workplace, as I say, safe, healthy, and, and manageable.
0: Want to get a call in here. We've well, we got, got a couple minutes left. Mark, thanks for standing by for a moment. How are you, pal?
3: I'm good, thanks. How about yourself?
0: Good. What's on your mind? Good, Mark.
3: Um, I'm recently dealing with uh, a situation at work in which uh, me and an employee had a disagreement about how a system should work got heated. we resolved it, we left. Uh, 13 days later, uh, I get a letter that I violated the company's code of conduct and was hostile and aggressive. Um, It's a false claim. It's under investigation. It takes about two weeks. And I'm just wondering at this point, if if this complaint is found to be unfounded is there any uh repercussions i can have now i have to work with this person i also um i've been falsely accused by somebody so i just heard the show and thought i'd call
1: yeah yeah no i i think in in general I, i say this a lot but it depends uh so Uh, The the complaint or whatever that's being investigated currently, is that related to the issue that you mentioned that had been hashed out between the two of you?
3: Yeah, we had a heated discussion and now another person feels that it was aggressive and hostile and harassment and bullying and all these words that have been used, which I've had, you know, many conversations like this. And I, I don't know. I guess now that these words get used very frequently uh, in, a, in a workplace that, you know, we're, we're a bunch of guys. We do use profanity. And uh, I guess at the end of the day, A, I don't know how to handle myself when I get back because I don't think I did anything wrong. And B, is this person then legally or under the uh, occupational, I don't know, like laws, can you make a false allegation and just walk away from that?
1: Well, the the one thing is that the law wants to encourage people who have valid complaints, valid complaints right. to come forward with those concerns. Right? We don't want to necessarily have something where if an investigation's done and the outcome is that they don't find there was harassment or bullying or whatever, we want to make sure that just because that's maybe the facts, uh, that that the person who brought the complaint isn't necessarily penalized. But then you've got other scenarios where someone just completely makes up something, a complete lie. There's absolutely no basis for it. And that's, of course, something that needs also to be investigated and taken seriously by the company. And I would like to think that that's something that the company can sort of shed some light on and and realize that's wrong. Because, of course, you can't just also bring numerous meritless claims that just have no grounding over and over and over again, because that's going to be an abuse of the power But it's tricky because you want to balance it with someone's ability to be able to present their concerns to the company without fear of reprisal, without fear of the company coming back and saying, "Okay, we didn't find that there's bullying in this case. And so we're going to punish you. You know, that's that's hard uh, for, for someone to insist on being done unless there's that clear evidence that this is just a malicious complaint with no basis whatsoever. So. It, it, it may depend on sort of what the investigation is, how thorough they do the investigation and what that yep. outcome ultimately is. And I think that when you get that outcome, I mean, by all means, give me a call and, and I can sort of talk it through with you and figure out, you know, is this an investigation that was done in good faith? What's the remedy here? All because right. as you say, the aftermath might mean that you just don't want to go forward <laughs> working with this person. So there might hey, be gotta a run. way after that to try to Got to run, Chris. Got to
0: run, buddy. Got to run. Got to run. We'll yeah. give him a yeah. call afterwards. The number going forward, guys, 1-855-821-5900. Help at employmentlawyer.ca. We'll catch you next time.